The Democrats are in shock that the real party of diversity is the GOP. Kamala Harris wants NASA to track racist trees. Plus, inflation under Joe Biden has now hit a 30-year high. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with the changing face of the Republican Party, and it's a change that the Democrats dread. The Democrats try to win through division, through identity politics, through promoting a victim class where big government is the only answer. They don't debate the issues. They don't engage in real political discourse. If you try to discuss an issue like critical race theory, they'll say it's not being taught or that it doesn't even exist. If that doesn't work, they'll just call you a racist. Well, imagine what they must be thinking when those tactics start falling flat, when people reject the socialist central government notion, when they realize that conservative principles apply to all people, regardless of race or gender or ethnicity. That is exactly what is happening and the historic election victories in Virginia are a perfect example of Americans turning away from the politics of division. Here's the story. The historic election wins by Lieutenant Governor-elect Winsome Sears and Attorney General-elect Jason Meares in Virginia showcased the increasing diversity among Republicans and the party's success in recruiting women and minority candidates to deliver a conservative message of freedom and opportunity. Ms. Sears, the first black woman elected statewide in Virginia, and Mr. Meares, the first Hispanic to win statewide in the Commonwealth, swept into office with Republican Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin in a state that has been trending blue for more than a decade. That right there is a key piece of information. Virginia has been trending blue, so this was a great opportunity to see if voters were ready for a message that transcends race, that focuses on issues that affect everybody, and that highlights the fact that the Democrats have become the party of elitists and extremists. People are sick and tired of the Democrats using race as the cause for every single problem in this country, while at the same time, people of all races and ethnicities are suffering under Joe Biden's policies and the policies of the Democrats in general. Here's more. When you look at some of these candidates, many of them have compelling stories, said Republican strategist Jimmy Keaty. Whether they are women, minorities, self-made business owners, military veterans, or others, they are normal people who got to where they are because of who they are, both as Americans and through hard work, not because the government gave them a handout. Antoine Seawright, a Democrat strategist who helped Democrat gubernatorial nominee Terry McAuliffe court black voters this year in Virginia, said enlisting diverse candidates wasn't the same as making inroads with voters of color. Just because they are diverse in race does not mean their priorities line up with the community that they look like. When you look at the policy agenda they advocate for, it definitely doesn't line up with the community where I grew up, he said. I included the comments from the Democrat strategists so you can see their misguided thinking. People like him don't want the standard of living to change in these communities. They don't expect it to change. He and other Democrats are banking that if they can keep people poor and divided, that the Democrats will maintain control. That's why whenever someone breaks out of that system, whether that person is black or brown or whatever, 
when they break out and become successful and build a business and provide for their families or get involved in education and see that conservative principles are what lifted them up, then the Democrats will attack them as not being black or not being Hispanic. The Democrats don't want change or improvement or unity. The strategist comments were ridiculous, but also very accurate as to the mindset of Democrats. And it's a mindset that people are rejecting. All right, so next let's talk about Kamala Harris and racist trees. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next is Kamala Harris and some comments she made recently regarding trees. As I pointed out on the last show, Harris's approval ratings are actually lower than Joe Biden's. So that's why she's not often seen or heard. And when she does appear, it often results in a shake your head moment. Remember when Harris was asked about visiting the border? Here was her response. I'm here in Guatemala today at some point. You know, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. What is she even saying? And that's just one example. There are a host of others. And now she's done it again. And this time in her role as head of the National Space Council. Now, let me just say that as someone who worked at NASA for 12 years, it stuns me that Kamala Harris is head of the National Space Council. I don't even know where to begin as far as expressing my shock that someone who knows nothing about anything is heading up this organization. But I digress. Back to the story of Kamala Harris and using NASA to track trees by race. Vice President Kamala Harris asked NASA if it could use its satellites to track trees by race in various neighborhoods as part of environmental justice during a recent display on climate change, leading many to ridicule the vice president online and even giving rise to a Black Trees Matter hashtag. Harris visited Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland to see vital climate science work. As she met with scientists and engineers and received a first-hand look at how the climate is studied by the space program, as well as how it provides data concerning planetary changes and their impacts, the vice president declared, I truly believe space activity is climate action. I just wonder what these scientists and engineers were thinking. She says that space activity is climate action, because of course, if there's anything the left likes to focus on almost as much as race, it's the climate. But Harris didn't stop there. She added this. Climate adaptation strategies. Can you measure um, trees? Part yes. of that data that you're referring to, and it's in EJ's environmental justice, but you can also track by race, there are averages in terms of the number of trees in the neighborhood where people live. What? In talking about EJ, as she called it, environmental justice, she asks if trees can be tracked by race. She wants to use NASA satellites, taxpayer funds, to track these trees based on race and neighborhoods. Going back to our lead story, is it any wonder that people are burned out with the Democrats' obsession with race and racial politics? The response on social media has been classic as well. GOP strategist Matt Whitlock tweeted this. I can't get over the fact that environmental justice and tree equity 
are real phrases Democrats use. Reads like parody. It does read like a parody, considering there are actual real issues out there that we can be discussing. Here's GOP congressional candidate Leon Benjamin. I thought this was a Babylon Bee headline. Turns out it's our totally serious vice president. Glad she has her priorities straight. I love that one, but it just shows that the Democrats are out of touch with the real issues affecting families and working Americans across the country. Gas prices are out of control. Inflation is driving up the prices on everything. The southern border is wide open, and it invites drugs and gangs and human trafficking. Store shelves are empty, and Kamala Harris is promoting racial tracking of trees. All right, so next, let's dive deeper into the skyrocketing prices on energy and just about everything else, because this is what Americans are concerned about. Joe Biden talks about how he's not going to raise taxes on anyone who isn't part of the rich. Well, we know that's not true with some of his proposed taxes that will disproportionately affect poorer communities. That's just a fact. But there's also the rising prices on goods and services, which is essentially the same thing as a tax increase because it decreases people's buying power. It limits their ability to save for the future. And it restricts their choices that they can make in providing for their families. Here's the story. Prices for U.S. consumers jumped 6.2% in October, compared with a year earlier as surging costs for food, gas, and housing left Americans grappling with the highest inflation rate since 1990. The year-over-year -year increase in the Consumer Price Index exceeded the 5.4% rise in September, the Labor Department reported Wednesday. From September to October, prices jumped 0.9%, the highest month-over-month -month increase since June. Inflation is eroding the strong gains in wages and salaries that have flowed to America's workers in recent months, creating political headaches for the Biden administration and congressional Democrats and intensifying pressure on the Federal Reserve as it considers how fast to withdraw its efforts to boost the economy. What's interesting is that for my entire life, the standard bearer for the worst president ever has been Jimmy Carter. You can talk about Andrew Johnson and other historically bad ones, but there was just never any doubt that Carter was the worst. I really think that'll change. Joe Biden has done all of this in less than 10 months. He hasn't even been on the job for a year. In the meantime, his team has been trying to downplay the effects of inflation, saying it's just transitory, a minor blip, then things will be fine. Now, administration officials are singing a different tune. Higher inflation has persisted much longer than most economists had expected, and inflation is spreading well beyond items like appliances and new and used vehicles that are directly affected by the pandemic. The inflation overshoot will likely get worse before it gets better, said Goldman Sachs economists in a research note Sunday. For months, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell had described inflation as transitory, a short-term phenomenon linked to labor and supply shortages resulting from the speed with which the economy rebounded from the pandemic recession. But last week, Powell acknowledged that higher prices could last well into next summer. So that's where things stand. The worst inflation in 30 years, and Joe Biden only took about 10 months to get us there. But hey, let's spend some time looking for racist trees. Okay, here's a follow-up on the fallout from the passage of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that would have failed had not 13 House Republicans voted for it. 
I talked about this on Monday, how it was extremely bad politics for the GOP to throw the Democrats a lifeline. And yet that's exactly what they did. It would have been much better to let the Democrats fail on their own and then go to the American people and say, look, the Democrats are in control. They couldn't even get this done. If you want real infrastructure, a real infrastructure bill, then vote Republican in 2022 and we'll get it done. But nope, that's not what happened. With the Democrats in disarray and radical leftists like AOC and others voting against the bill, the Democrats would have failed. The bill would have failed. Instead, it passed thanks to House GOP members. One of those who voted for it is Republican Nicole Maliotakis. She was on Fox News actually saying that it was good politics to vote for the bill. But when it comes to infrastructure, I have to do what is in the best interest of the people that I represent in Staten Island and Brooklyn. Yes, the president might get some credit, but at the end of the day, he is failing in so many other categories that doesn't really matter. We will continue to ensure that he, that the American people know where his fail, but failings you know, are. But and that you we know, expose based them. on that entire list that you just rattled off, that you had him against the ropes. Would you not agree? Yeah, and he's, st and he, and he's still against the ropes. I don't, I don't see how this makes it any different. Here's how it's different, talking about if the bill had failed versus if it had passed, which thanks to 13 Republicans, it did. If it failed, then infrastructure actually becomes another issue that Republicans can run on. The Democrats have the majority. They didn't need GOP help. If they had their act together, they could have passed this on their own. The fact that they couldn't get it done shows that they can't lead or govern. Infrastructure then becomes a winning issue for the GOP. She wants to help her district? That's great. The message then becomes, vote for the GOP and we'll actually get it done. There was no downside in having this bill fail. Instead, Maliotakis says that voting for the infrastructure bill actually gives the GOP more leverage to bring down the social spending Build Back Better bill. Had this bill not passed, what would have happened is AOC and the squad would have had more leverage because they were going to pass infrastructure no matter what. Yep. So they would have had to negotiate more and give more away to the progressives on that spending bill, and both would have passed, and it would have been worse. I think this is a better case scenario where we do get the hard infrastructure, but we also see the bill with the IRS agents and all that other stuff we don't like being dwindled, continuing to fall uh, down in, in spending, and hopefully we'll continue to get some of that policy out. So what do you think? The social spending bill, thanks to objections from Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, was coming down. It had no hopes of passing as it was, and it still has a ton of bad legislation in it. The debate is going to happen regardless of whether this infrastructure bill passed or not. If it failed, then the progressives would have really focused on the Build Back Better bill, and that's what they're doing now. But instead of having no good standing, they now have the political and legislative success of the infrastructure bill to build on. Do you think it was a good move? Let me know in the comments. All right, friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Friday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.